0: Welcome to unapologetically bold, I'm not sorry for. If you are a person that is tired of apologizing for being you, you know, the human part of you that sometimes feels like it has to be different at home versus work versus play. The human side that just wants to be hot, humble, open, and transparent about your wants, desires, and uniqueness. If you answered yes, this podcast is for you. Join me. Emily Elrod as I dive into conversations with amazing guests about what they are not sorry for in creative and loving ways. Let's get started. Hello everybody we are live for another unapologetically bold I am not sorry for. I am excited today to have one of my friends here Rebecca. She is somebody that I've recently started interacting with um, prior to COVID-19, but then after COVID-19, especially in the work that she does, it seems that we keep connecting back again. And so she's just an awesome human being that has such a unique background. So I'm excited for everybody to get to hear her today. So thank you so much for joining me. You're welcome. What are you not sorry for?
1: I am not sorry for caring for you and caring for the community in general.
0: I love it. So. Rebecca, tell me a little bit about your background, and then also tell me, how did you even get to this point? Sure. So, my background is, it's
1: very an interesting story. I've basically been in professional security services in that industry since 2003. That's also when I started my sales journey, which the very beginning of that road was actually selling tombstones, marble tombstones. Yes. Yes. Before that, I had been pursuing a path on the medical side to be a nurse, and ultimate goal is to be a uh, medical missionary nurse. And so things changed. We moved to Georgia, got with a staffing company, and they stuck me at this uh, marble plant up in North Georgia, and they stuck me to be the executive assistant of the sales director. He had some personnel changes, and he one day comes into office. Here's a bunch of marble samples. Here's some brochures. Learn it. Here's a list of all our dealers. And they need to buy a lot more tombstones from us, so figure it out and get me some orders. And that was <laughs> that was my introduction to sales. And the amazing thing is, is I did what he said. I started making calls, and not even less than a month later, he was getting complaints from the factories because they couldn't get out enough tombstones. I was placing too many orders. So- I love
0: it. That is that's cool, and I didn't know that. I love whenever I have people on and I, I, I'm shocked at what you did. I didn't even know that part. So, so you, you start with the tombstones and then what did you go through after that? The security. um, That's when I got into this. So,
1: so it was that aha moment that I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm really good at sales. Who would have known? I thought I was supposed to be a nurse the rest of my life, like in somewhere, nowhere India, you know? So, okay, let's go with this. So they made changes. And so then I started looking for another sales job. Went with uh, U.S. Security Associates, and I ended up being there for well over 12 years. And sales started out as a caller, and then by the time I left, I was a manager leading a sales team of 20 people, and then I got promoted to outside sales, and, you know, so then there was some restructuring, and then I went into software sales, and, you know, then went got back into security, working for a robot company, of all things, a security robotic company, oh. and then... They made changes last year, and then now I'm a security engineer. So I love security because it's great. I get to help people because we keep them secure, get to safe part. And, you know, so so that's the professional side of Rebecca Strobel. And then there's a volunteer side of Rebecca Strobel that the community, the gated community we live here in North, in North Georgia, my husband and I were going to eat uh, over 12 and a half years ago one night, ran into some volunteer firefighters that lived in our community and they said, Hey, you should be a volunteer. And I'm like, I'm a security sales professional. And my husband's a chiropractor. What do we know about being firefighters? But we started realizing that like the community we live in, the response time was long, we both had, you know, some medical knowledge because I had been on that nursing path for a while and we're like, you know what, there's a need we can help, let's go for it. So. We jumped in with both feet. Again, well, all the full-time job is still going hot and heavy. We jumped in, ended up getting our firefighter certification, became licensed urban EMTs, wilderness EMTs. And then, uh, you know, long into being part of that department about seven years ago, our chief our fire chief basically resigned and I raised my hand and said you know what I've I've been the lieutenant of medical operations the last several years I've been doing medical training you know I really think I can make a difference and there's some things that we need to improve and we need to get back to the humanity and caring for our community instead of it just being all a demonstration of look how you know bad and great we are and I said I'm, I I want to do it. And they all looked at me and all men and nothing against the guys out there. But it's pretty awesome that they recognized and respected my abilities and they elected me as their fire chief. So seven years ago, I became the first female volunteer fire chief in my county.
0: I and love it. And I love the journey of it, too, is that, you know, I was talking to somebody earlier today and we were talking about sales. And it's like a lot of times you have like these bad experiences with them. Yes. And they get like these cheesy names or whatever to it. But the the ones that I know that are the greatest is because they care. And it actually is genuine careness, like caring deep down about humanity, as you said. So where did it go from the point that you were apologizing for caring or doing things, keep doing things because you care for others? And you said a point like, hey, I'm not sorry. I see a need. I'm going to meet a need and I'm going to do something about it.
1: Yeah, I'd say it was both in that volunteer experience with the fire department because the way I was a volunteer chief <laughs> I that happened very frequently cuz like people on the paid side of our county would be like why are you sending handwritten cards to people we're f- they're firefighters you know or, or why are you dropping by a firefighter's house and giving them balloons because their wife was sick or they just had a baby and, I, and that's when I started to get to the point because you know what it's it's well beyond just responding when you go to nine one one, and I saw that with on the professional side with my employees that that group of 20 I had you know when I took over when I got promoted to management is we had crazy turnover. People didn't want to stay in the department. I mean, people. you go in the break room and I'd have a new employee that like their first day, they'd be like, oh, so uh, we're taking bets. Maybe you'll make it till the end of today. You know, I mean, it was so bad. So I'm like, I have to do something radically different. So then i really started coming up with ways to show that I cared about my employees. And of course, in the company, everyone was like, why are you doing that? That's not what we do. Why are you wasting your money? You know, the company's not going to reimburse you for buying enough pizza for people to take a, fa- a you know, a meal home to their families. We're not going to reimburse you because you're buying all these balloons and flowers and all this other crazy stuff. And I'm like, I don't need to be in reimburse. I want my employees to know that I care. I want my firefighters to know that I care. And you know what? Both on both levels, they did amazing things. You know, our community was blessed. The company, oh yeah, our CEO he got all kinds of money in his pocket you know but it all went to you know what I am going to stop apologizing for that I do things different and that is fueled by caring focusing mm-hmm. that it, it, it we are humans first and we're all these other things later
0: mm-hmm. I love that because that it actually makes me think of a time whenever I went on a Sunday and every Easter at one of the clients I have, I do over 500 Easter eggs, and we put messages in them. Me, my kids do it, and they're like, um, "It's your day off. You're not going to get paid, and you understand that uh, you can't count that towards your 40 hours." And I'm like, "Do you do, do you think I care? Like it's it's about the people and." F- for me, and, I, and that's what I'm interested in you. Is like, how has it helped you also succeed? Because people are like, you're spending your money, you're wasting your money. But in the end, it people. Whenever you focus on people, profits will come. But that's not the purpose of it. It's purpose Absolutely. on the people. So, what would you say about that? Well,
1: I say, you know, when it comes to on the professional side, like we're talking about in business, you know, people want to buy from people, not an organization. So they want to buy from you the person and human beings, according to Aristotle, we're all social, you know, we're social creatures. And so that's where it has to start. So that's what I've seen is when you get the focus back on, you know, let me get to know you as a person. Let me figure out, you know, what is stressing you out? What is causing you to lose sleep at night? What's making your job easier? If I can focus on how I can help get rid of your stress as a person, figure out what that is, then I can look into, I can open up my bag, you know, of resources from the company or whoever I represent and say, okay, what do I have in this bag of resources that I can help take that stress and that burden off of your shoulders, you know? And when you make that the driving focus, then the sales will come because now they know that you're just not some slimy salesperson. You're actually
0: legitimate and you're caring. I love it. So what are some um, suggestions or invitations for advice that you would give for people to to start caring more or getting into the space that saying, hey, you can do it? Maybe some stories or, or some experiences. I, I would say,
1: you know, start having real conversations with people and not only conversations, but start listening. You know, so like, for instance, when I led that inside sales team, twenty plus people, you know, needless to say, I had all kinds of personalities in there. It was an interesting situation, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Same thing on the firefighting side. So, you know, people are quick when they're under stress and they're going through something to start telling you all about it. So instead of tuning them out, start listening. So when the single mom was talking about, you know, I have an hour drive and I have to leave, you know, of my hour drive, I have to go pick up my kid. And then I got another 30 minute drive home. And by the time I get home, I'm just too tired to cook. OK, you listen to that. So the next time you want to have a meeting and you order food for everybody, order extra
0: food. You know, because that single mom, she doesn't want to have to cook when she gets home that night. And it's just the offer and the invitation. And it's that time to get to know people. So what is a time that you've had or experience that you've had where like your caring has filled your bucket up so much and you're just like, yes, like this is why like all those haters keep hating because, (laughs) yeah, that one person. So what would have you had that time? Yes, actually, um, it's funny, the an analogy
1: that you use as far as fill the bucket up, because I definitely have to share the story. So when I was elected as the first female fire chief, the county fire chief at the time basically made a special gesture. And he's like, if you put together a pinning ceremony and get you know key players there, I will show up and I will pin basically your bugles on your firefighter uniform, which in the history of our county had never been done for a volunteer. The, the county people had never done that. So I was able to get a congressman. I got our county commissioner. I'm also an advisor for our county's explorer post. So they have like their own honor guard. So I recruited all those explorers like, hey, I'm your advisor. By the way, like this historical thing is happening. Could you be my honor guard? And they're like, yeah, sure. Chief who will be there. So it's funny, one of the gentlemen, who was one of my firefighters in my department, he was one of those people that was always on my case about why do you do it this way? And why do you care so much? And you know, I would always be trying to reach out to him and he was just Mr. Grumpy, wouldn't have it. And he told me, we were in that room about maybe two hours before the ceremony setting up chairs. And he told my husband, this is a waste of time. Why did you have me come here early? and set up all these chairs. It's a waste of time. This is stupid. Nobody's going to be in this room. Nobody cares. Well, you know, all those years before I became the chief, I had sent out the handwritten cards, organized, organized, you know, community events, stopped by people's houses. Hey, how's it going? Talked to them at the mailboxes, written articles, all kinds of different things. So it was hilarious because when the actual time came for the event to start, There were so many people in that room, we did not have enough chairs. There were people standing in the back and around the sides and the County, uh, chiefs of our County fire department, when they tried to come into the building, they couldn't get inside because there were so many people that were lined up trying to greet me and hug me and tell me congratulations and thank me for everything that I've done and my firefighters had done, but they had to wait with the residents to actually get to me.
0: I love it. And that's the the thing too, is that I know that you're not saying this like to like brag or anything because I know your heart, but you're just saying this because this is the fact that people don't see that that the time, those handwritten notes, those care, like it pays off because in essence, you have a team that, and, and I guess this is my next question for you, is when times get rough, because you did those steps, how hard, how much easier, I guess it is to ask for help.
1: It's much, much easier, much easier. So like another example, you know, on the security side, you know, I recently uh, sold a client that I've been, you know, working on for a long time a lot of these personal notes, flowers, happy anniversary, that kind of stuff, you know, and and there were some challenges there, and because of all that sowing before then, and, you know, I love uh, Galatians 6, 7, and 9, because it says, for whatever a man soweth, he shall also reap, and, verse 9, let us not be weary and well, doing for a due season we shall reap if we faint not so that is like total poster child of my life you know don't give up keep doing good keep doing good keep sowing keep sowing good it's going to reap your harvest is coming so with this example is i had sown all that into sort of like the main decision maker and then because of that they gave us a chance like hey you know i have this other employee that has this problem and I know that you can offer a solution so hey I'll connect you to and there were some challenges in the relationship at first but you know I took that extra you know step in showing that we care to our new contact and you know what when we when we had to go to them and be like okay so I think there's some communications breakdown you know this is what's going on you know where are we missing I'm convinced that we got that little bit of mercy and we got that additional patience to be like, okay, well you, there's, you have this communication style. We have this communication style. Let's marry the two together. But if that caring hadn't happened before that, they wouldn't have had the patience. You know what I'm saying? They wouldn't have gone that extra mile to be like, oh, well, wow, they are doing everything they said they would do. It's just, I wasn't a hundred percent understanding what they were doing because of, you know, some miscommunication. So absolutely, you know, caring for people that paves the way because it goes back to the human factor. You Mm -hmm. know, when you know somebody and you know that they're working there, you know what off and they're trying to be of help. You're a lot less likely to be short with them. Even though you might've had like the day from the hot place, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like it helps you pull patience and mercy
0: from where you didn't think you have it to like okay we can work this out and i love it too because what i hear is grace that whenever you care because it's a human to human approach Mm -hmm. you're not buying in essence from just some random stranger you're buying from a human Um, and we always talk about in wellness a lot of the times why we we want the human to drive the technology, not the technology to drive human is just think of it this way. If a watch dings at, at 10 teal to tell you to do, to move in steps, there's so many times that you can just like turn it off or like snooze button. It tells you to wake up in the morning, but you just knock it off. But if a human that you care about tells you, Hey, you need to get up, get up, get up. like think you're more likely to do it. And so, in essence, that connection and how you have built it out—that it's a care instead of a nuisance. Yeah, if that makes sense. Um, and also, back
1: to the whole sowing and reaping—is you know, there's going to be times in our lives where we need people to care, and if you don't sow that into others' people's lives, it's it's not going to come back. I mean, another great example is you know, last probably February timeframe, I was working for a security robotic company. Everything was great. They had some financial difficulties and like news to me, I get a call that you no longer have a job. And I'm like, oh boy, what am I going to do? Well, it goes back to caring because of those connections I had made way back to being with that security company for all those decades. It was those connections and taking the time to get to know people, the person that I reported to at the security robotic company, when I called them, like literally, I got the call, you don't have a job. I'm like, okay. So then I, you know, hey, guess what? I don't have a job because the person who used to be my boss had resigned. And then I reached out to people that I had worked with well over a decade. Hey, I don't have a job, can you help? And it wasn't even a month. It was like a matter of three weeks and I had a new job. And that was 100% because of those relationships of keeping in touch with people and reaching out and let them know that, you know, I attended a sales seminar years ago. I Todd Cohen. He's awesome. I recommend people follow him, but he's all about sales culture. And he's like, you need to build into your life. The non agenda contact, the non agenda phone call, the non agenda email, the non agenda LinkedIn post and use that to start building a reason to have, to get an agenda with somebody. And I took that to heart and it's, it's definitely paid off.
0: And it's so cool to think too, that some of the times that we're most connected is, okay, I actually, I'm going to, I'm going to flop off of that one real quick, because it makes me think about LinkedIn today. Um, somebody got, oh, my phone's over there. I don't have it, um, but somebody messaged me today. And it was one on LinkedIn, how LinkedIn works is that it usually has like your title underneath it. Like it says, Mm -hmm. I work, I'm president of Workspeed is underneath mine. You know, this one had dot, dot, dot. It had nothing. So like whenever they messaged you, you had to go look it up. And then on the other thing, it was had so much marketing psychology that made you want to tap into it. But it was so fake. Yeah. So vague. And so (laughs) agenda-y that I told him, or I responded back to the message, said, thank you for talking to me. Great, amazing psychology efforts that you put in here. And I highlighted that, like how you put some guilt, like on the the messaging too, like, I know you're busy and we're all busy, but like, especially if you connect with humans, it's like, oh, I'm not too busy for you. I went, I'm like, and I almost clicked on it. But then there was just two, and those are the people that frustrate me because you have so many people almost playing you that whenever you come up or somebody like us that actually cares, it takes people a few times to even like, what was their agenda? You know, like, and you probably even had that said to you. So what do you do for people or how do you help people that are like, eh, I'm not, I'm not sure yet. Still not sure yet. What do you say to those? Well, you know, that's funny. That reminds
1: me the very first sales appointment I ever had when I went when I transitioned from being an inside sales manager to actually going out in the field, and being outside sales. I had this gentleman who had been a police officer forever, and I walk into his office and I sit down and I'm like, OK, I'm so excited. This is my first outside sales call. Here we go. And he's like, you're from a security company. You guys are all idiots. You don't know anything. So what do you got for me? And <laughs> basically how I approached him and my recommendation is I was brutally honest and I said, yes, I'm with the security company. And yes, unfortunately our industry doesn't necessarily have the best tra- track record. And I agree, there are some companies out there that don't say they what they have to do. But sir, I've been with this company for X amount of years. The person that I, the team I represent, I know personally, I've worked with X amount of years and these are their capabilities. I understand that you're having these, possibly these kind of challenges. And this is what I'm offering to help. And personally, I'm the type of person, I'm not going to lay my head on my pillow tonight because I and tell you a story. I have to be able to look myself in the mirror every day and I have to be able to sleep at night. So this is what I can do to help you. So that would be my recommendation is be honest with people when they're questioning you and saying, Hey, do you really care about me? I would be honest. Be, as soon as they ask that, get honest and to your point instantly, instantly don't try to fluff and nothing, but be instant with your agenda and just say, look, you know, I work for so-and-so I understand that this is your company or this is what you're doing. And I believe that there's a possibility that I could assist. So give me a minute.
0: What would you tell people that are now, they've listened to this and they they understand that caring matters. What's some tips or tricks to make it easier? Because you have to deal with a headache population. There's headache people throughout it. I say 10% of people are about headache population. Most people are amazing, but the different personalities, different... What are some of your tips and your go-tos to be able to foster that caring without wanting to kill <laughs> or, or go to the next, level like, oh, let's just end this. Let's, let's end this relationship. Let's go off, whatever it may be. Yeah.
1: Well, one tip would be if you have the privilege, like, you know, you're about to have a conversation with that person and it's either virtually like we're doing now a lot or you're about to make the phone call or you're about to go in a room. You know, run to the restroom or someplace and take several deep breaths and just take, just take, even if it's a minute or two to calm yourself down and to think about, all right, in your mind, view that person as a person. Take a minute to separate the part of them or their behavior that's causing you to be a headache. Separate that out. Okay, this is a person and how can I help this human? And that helps immensely, whether it's in business or in personal relationships, is to just separate that out and be like, okay, they're human. And like, why, especially in the personal side, okay, like, why did I marry this individual? Why, you know, why do I have this relationship? It's like, get, get your mind focused on, okay, this is what matters. That, that's a number one tip.
0: And two, how has this helped in your professional world, or it may stem from your personal world first, but how has that impacted, like, your relationships, like, with your spouse and, or your family members and such? Um, how has that helped, and how is caring? Um,
1: it definitely helped a lot, you know, definitely, you know, with my spouse, of uh, you know, taking that time to be again like i said sort of taking that moment to be like okay wait a second this thing that's given me a headache right now really Mm -hmm. isn't a big deal when i look at what's important Mm -hmm. you know what's given me a big deal is very superficial but it's not a core issue and professionally it has helped me immensely i would have never been able to successfully complete firefighting school if i hadn't learned all those lessons in the security world for sure because it taught me how to interact with different people and how to be professional and get my point across but not you know I mean let's face it as women when it comes to certain industries we're not necessarily respected 100 percent, and so we have to go that extra level and actually demonstrate that we know what we're doing Mm -hmm. and give a 100% commitment and not just rely on oh you know some areas oh look at me you actually have to show up and show out and so you know by caring it's helped me you know because i took lessons from other individuals that really did care that gave it 110% so
0: that's helped me immensely my final question for you is what would be your final words your final thoughts about how you're not sorry for caring um, for people and for others and humans.
1: Absolutely. So, my final thought is the quote that I wrote to motivate myself and to inspire me to be an amazing volunteer fire chief. And this is the quote Courage and compassion call us to action,
0: they give us the boldness to believe that the impossible is possible. Oh, Amen. Because it is, it's, it's that mindset. Yes. And it's the courage to step out because anytime, time, Renee Brown talks about it all the time, but vulnerability has to have courage. Courage has to have vulnerability. They never, it's a coupling effect. They have to come together. So stepping out and that part is caring. You have to be vulnerable. You have to open yourself. It does take courage. You've probably been messed with so many times in the past, but caring matters. They're humans it's that golden rule, treat others as you would like to be treated. And I hope that you want to be cared for. So Rebecca, I just want to thank you so much. And I want to thank everybody that listened in and watched. Um, I hope you have an amazing day and stay blessed, stay well. And until next time, see you then.